step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome all truth seekers from across the globe. This is Reverend Karen L. Heasley from the Spiritual Path Church of Newcastle, Pennsylvania in the United States. Our truth seeker show covers a variety of subjects from angels to afterlife communication to parapsychology to spiritualism to near-death experiences, meditation, and a number of other truth seeking topics. We are happy you have chosen to join us for this episode and hope you find it informative and enjoyable. Now, I want everybody to get a piece of paper and pencil and write this number down because we are definitely going to have a jam-packed show tonight. The number is 657-383-0416. I'm going to repeat that, 657-383-0416. And guess what? We even have a chat room open, so you're in luck. Our guest tonight is Maxine Mayer, a former Master of Divinity student at Harvard Divinity School. Maxine has a master's in religion from Harvard and a certificate in parapsychology from the Rhine Center at Duke. She is a state-certified teacher, researcher, author of many books, to include Great Moments of Modern Mediumship, Volumes 1 and 2, What the Great Mediums Have Taught Us About Spiritual Healing, Spirit Guides, and Mediumship, and What is Spiritualism, and Grounds in Your Coffee, as well as a psychic medium skilled in precognition. So let's get her on the line now. Hi. Karen, Hi, nice Maxine. How here. are you? I'm fine. How you doing? Karen, nice Good. to be here. Yeah. Nice for you to join all the truth seekers from across the globe. And so what I'd like to know first off is how you got involved in all of this. You know, it's not everybody that writes books about mediumship and spiritual healing. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in this? Sure. As a teenager, I was growing up in Florida. And... Luck would have it in the town or near the town where I went to high school and college in Florida, there were these spiritualist churches that were um, started by old Camp Chesterfield mediums who would come down to Florida in the wintertime. And being a young pup teenager, you know, in my own car, 
you know, getting away from the home on a, on a Sunday and going church shopping, I would be drawn to these uh, spiritualist churches because, you know, when you're young and 18, you want to know what's, you know, uh, where Mr. Wright is. And uh, I, I would go into these spiritualist churches and I would just feel at home. Uh, these the, these these uh, these people were talking my language. They were doing billet readings. They were welcoming me. They had coffee and cake after the service. They they would give messages. I thought, man, I've never been in a church like this. And sure enough, I I, I started to go to spiritualist churches, and um, I even took a few classes during college. But, you know, I graduated and went into the Army and life got in the way and got married and da-da-da. And then uh, it just, life happened. And then as my kids were getting older, you know, and I had more time to myself as a mommy, I would take them to a summer camp in Pennsylvania. And I thought, well, I need to go somewhere for four weeks while they're in summer camp. And I discovered Lilydale, um, which is a spiritualist camp in western New York. And they were a place that was full of spiritualists and mediums. And I thought, wow, that's great. You know, it's like mommy camp. So, and then slowly I, 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 I went elsewhere for classes. I've traveled all around the world. I've gone to Australia. I've gone to England. I've gone to Norway. Gone to, I hope to go to Switzerland soon because of all the friends that I have made in spiritualism. So uh, the journey has taken my whole life, but I, I never really left it, and it never really left me. That's really nice. Uh, and they say once you start on this path, you can't really turn back. You know, I mean, because you're no. so gravitated towards it. That's what I mean. You can turn back. It's free will. But no. you're just, right when yeah. you say that, you're just gravitated towards it so much. And your whole outlook on life changes. You know, yes, I have friends who are Buddhist. I have friends of Christian denominations. And I'm able to go into their 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 places of worship. And I really respect them and, 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 and share with them. But my, my whole outlook on the afterlife is, mm-hmm. is so focused now, you know. It's like I, 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 have, I have my beliefs and I'm very peaceful in it. That's, that's wonderful. So we're going to talk a little bit about the things in your book, and I just have some key words to bring up and then you know you can run with the run with the ball however you want but i guess some of our guests can you explain to them what is mediumship because you have that in the book what is mediumship sure um well let me let first of all i'm a very humble person let's get this out of the way this is a chat between friends i mean i'm not interested in selling I mean, you want to you want to buy the book? That's fine. You know, go look on Amazon. All my books are there. But this, this is not a sales pitch mm-hmm. because this is a, telling you about my story. And right. as I was coming, as I was coming to a a a understanding myself of what is mediumship? Why why is it? What's the purpose of it? I mean, 
and and what's the what's the role of our soul and how does this fit into the bigger cosmology of the universe you know as as i was trying to wrestle with these questions i would read book after book after book and um i would normally all, i would normally order these books on ebay you know mm-hmm. they're pretty cheap on ebay mm-hmm. or hey this is a hot tip and i didn't tell you this even before the show any book that's ever written is on, get a piece of paper and a pencil, write this down, www.bookfinder.com. And if you put in the name of the book, put in the name of the author, put in the name of the medium, put in the name of the whatever, uh, you'll, you'll get all of the books that are from eBay, from uh, Biblio, from Olibris, from all of the booksellers online. So it's the mother of all booksellers. And as I was wrestling with these questions, I'm a reader. I would get these books. I would read them. I would read them with one hand, and in the other hand, I would have a highlighter or a pen. And when I'd come across a story that was really cool I hadn't heard of before, I'd circle it. I'd tag the page. I'd write in the margin. I'd say, man, I have to remember this story. Someday it's going to be useful. And then for all of these books that I've read, I mean, they were full of my scribbles and everything. And mm-hmm. so I, I took all of, all of the stories of the old mediums and I started to compile them. And I thought, that's a cool story. That's a cool story. That's a cool story. And I didn't forget what book it came out of. And I didn't forget what page I found it on. And a good thing about my books is that they are referenced. So if you like a cool story, I'll tell you where I found it. So you can go back to that book and do read it yourself and do a deep dive. So okay, that's good. What is what is mediumship? Well, my my opinion. Okay. I respect other people's opinions, but my opinion. Excuse me is that it is it has intelligence behind it okay and the reason i say this not just communication from the spirit world okay it's intelligent self-aware communication from the spirit world because okay. there are a lot of there are a lot of phenomena that people confuse with mediumship but it's not and there are some phenomena that could be mediumship or not mediumship Uh for example table tipping okay for example table tipping it's very easy to fake intentionally fake table tipping or it's very easy to subconsciously through what is called the faraday effect a bunch of people move the table around through their psychic energy, okay? But that's not intelligent communication from the spirit world. In my books, there's a, couple, there's a chapter and some stories on table tipping where it is mediumship because the spirit world not only tapped out through table tipping a coded message, but they tapped out a coded message backwards. 
They tapped so it out backwards? They tapped it out backwards. And um, both of us have my books open in front of them, uh, in front of us, and I'm scrolling down to... Okay. The medium is Mary Marshall. And what was, what was, you could look it up, but what was tapped out was a series of letters. Y-R-N-E-H-K-C-O-C-F-F-E-J. But backwards, it spells Jeff. Cockerel. So here's a situation where table tipping might be confused with psychic energy, with a, just a bunch of random movements and unintelligent communication. But in this, in in my book, Great Moments of Modern, Modern Mediumship, Volume Two, and you could tell me what page it's on. Um, the message that was given was this, and it was backwards. That's intelligence. That's, I mean, it doesn't have to be backwards to be intelligent. Another example was through a famous American medium called Eileen Garrett. Yeah, Eileen Garrett. She was tested a lot, too. Excellent. And she... Um, through her table tipping, there was an address that was given through table tipping. And no one at the table knew this address. So that's what I mean by intelligent communication with the spirit world. You and I can yeah. get a table to tip, but can we get the table to tip an exact address that neither one of us knows? Well, that would be that true. Would be, that would verify things that from the spirit be, people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because, right, like my teachers always taught me that when you know you have a link, it's an intelligent link, and you're talking intelligently to the spirit people in the spirit world. Right. Right. And your guest next week, I have to give a big shout-out to him because he was okay. one of my tutors at the Ryan Center at Duke. And he okay. is very knowledgeable with the phenomena of parapsychology and when is it mediumship and when is it not mediumship. And his name is Lloyd, Lloyd Arabach. And, uh, um, there, you know, there can be, I hate to get, I hate to steal his thunder, but next week he'll probably talk about PK or telekinesis or, yeah, telekinesis. um, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff that, right. That that doesn't have to be mediumship, you know. That could just right. be, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, um, um, let's get back to let's get back to mediumship. So my okay. book, I I I I I referenced every story, mm-hmm. and I not only put at the end where I got all of this information and what page of the book I got it from, I have an extensive use of footnotes. Yes, and, you do. And and I just am a stickler for little bits of information, and you I know, if that. you're reading a story and da da da, and 
oh, you know, there was some information that I wanted to include here. I couldn't stick it in the story. I put okay, it in the ahead. footnote so at the bottom of the page you can you you know you can you can do, really do a deep dive and you can really learn and be inspired. I okay, and there was something I don't I couldn't find it right away, so I'm going to ask you right off the top here. Remember, there you had in the book something about the uh, the greatest seance. There it was the greatest seance. Yes. Um, yes. Do you, can um, you tell us a little bit well, about that? William um, um, Cuthauser, um, a relatively unknown medium in the fifties or sorry, sixties and seventies, American. Here on the West Coast, or here on the mm-hmm. East Coast, New York. You know, I mean, um, he, what they did is they brought him into the RCA uh, recording studio in New York City. And they had a seance in a recording studio. And you, if you can imagine this sound room, um, and if you've been associated with music, you know that they don't have just one microphone. They have microphones spread all over the room, you know, to get the drummer, to get the singer, but also, you know, other maybe hanging um, microphones. Back in the day, they did this. And so he had this. He was a direct voice. He had a lot of uh, phenomena associated with him. But he had, uh, he had this seance in a recording studio in full light, and as the direct voices would come out and be manifested, the sound engineers who were in the sound booth with their headphones on, you know, and their display panel, they were able to say, you know, that sound is coming from close area of this microphone that's hanging on the opposite side of the room as the medium and they recorded and during during the seance you could hear the sound engineer saying oh yes that's coming from uh, microphone five okay another voice mm-hmm. would come uh, microphone two and the, the the not the microphone that was next to the next to the medium so that's called the 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 the, the greatest seance, full light, um, just a, one person in a sound booth. Can you imagine a medium, you know, um, loving the spirit world and loving what they do to do that today? It's wonderful. I mean, it's incredible, right? It's incredible. Yeah. Right, right. So... I guess we're doing a journey down your book. So then, then you talk about then you have the reader and, and you you talk about apps and healing. So do you want to talk a little bit about that for us? Sure. Thank you. Now, absentee healing. Um, is not confused or not to be confused with distant healing. Um, If I touch you, that would be contact spiritual healing. Right. Okay? 
And there, there are reasons why spiritual healers don't touch. You know, maybe the, maybe the patient doesn't want to be touched. Maybe they're in an oxygen tent. They can't be touched. Um, maybe they have um, uh, some skin um, diseases where they can't be touched. So an absent, absent healing is where, is where, is where the uh, patient is not touched by the, by the spiritual healer. And you don't have to touch, you know, therapeutic touch is a modality. Reiki is a modality, but in spiritual healing, we know that you don't have to touch to get that, to get that healing. And um, um, many spiritual healers um, did both contact and absent healing. Let me, um, let me. Oh, Ted Fricker, one of my favorite healers. He and George Chapman are relatively unknown, but they were spiritual healers in the UK in the 1970s. And write it down. You could still get their books on on Amazon, on on eBay, on on bookfinder.com. But Ted Fricker, there were two instances of absent healing that are just mind-blowing, in my opinion. Ted Fricker... um, worked with a spirit world entity, a spirit guide, if you will, that he named Sambo. And Sambo was visualized to him as a seven-foot black man, you know, a former Mm -hmm. slave, and da-da-da. He would appear clairvoyantly, and he he was not known outside of Ted Fricker's family, you know, um, even Harry Edwards, he didn't talk about his spirit guides. And so this was before the book about Ted Fricker was, was, was printed. And someone came to uh, Ted Fricker and said, look, I have a relative in America that's sick. And Ted Fricker said, no problem. On a certain time, I'll send spiritual healing, da-da-da, no issues. And so that person went away and contacted their person in America and said, okay, on such and such date, you know, and next thing you know, this was before email, before letters, urgent Mm -hmm. telegram came to this woman in the UK saying, stop the healing. Uh, There's a seven foot black man saying, I'll heal you, ma'am. Don't worry about it. And she clairvoyantly saw Sambo and faded. Needless to say, she was healed. She told her relative in the UK through an urgent uh, telegram uh, that she was healed, stopped the healing, and Ted Fricker um, 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 uh, is known by this. Now, this great moment I have in my book under two categories. Number one, absent healing. And number two, verification of spirit guides, because okay. here we have an here we have an independent 
person who knows nothing about Ted Fricker, knows nothing right. about Sambo, but was able, probably, you know, was not clairvoyant, but got this image and it was verified. Another story about absent healing by Ted Fricker, um, again, um, he, uh, someone came to him for healing. He said, okay, no problem. Now Ted Fricker had a healing room, and his favorite flower was carnations. And in England, everybody has a garden. And he would take carnations from his, only carnations from his garden, and put them in his private healing room when he did healing. Okay. So the woman um, who wanted healing, knew nothing about the carnations. And um, she, after seeing Ted Fricker and requesting healing, she went home to prepare for a, a party she was hosting at home. And she went home and she uh, says she went up, you know, to get dressed and put on her makeup and she told her husband to keep answering the door and welcome the guests into her home. And all the guests that came to her home, as soon as they came into the house, they said to the woman's husband, oh, carnations, oh. And the the husband's like, what? We don't have any carnations in the house, but come on in, you know, have a, have a drink, you know, the party's getting started, da-da-da, or the dinner party, da-da-da. And so guest after guest after guest would come in and, 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 and say, one after the other, each not knowing the other, saying, wonderful, where's the carnations? And she would come down. She finally came down, and all her guests were saying, where's the carnations? She said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have carnations. I'm feeling really good because I went for spiritual healing. And then she went back to Ted Fricker, who told her that, yes, at that moment, at about the time that she was having the dinner party, was the time that he sent absent healing to her. Now, isn't that fabulous? That is. And so they smelled the carnations, right? Yes. Um, yes. That's, um, that's yeah. That is, and Chapman. I don't really know too much about Chapman. George Chapman was, I believe, a fireman. Okay. And um, um, you know, you don't have to be a professional healer. You just mm-hmm. have to love to serve people. Right. And um, he eventually, let me pull up. Um, let me pull up. And don't you think with healing and you have to develop a sort of like a little bit of a rapport with the spirit world too as well? I, I yeah, he also worked with a with a well known spirit guide, and again he didn't make a big deal of it, mm-hmm. but um, the. If you Google, if somebody Googles and can call into the show, or I'll Google it right now. I believe his his uh, the name of his book is Surgeon from the Dead or something like that. Oh, okay. And, 
it's it's another case where where there are two um, great moments here because his spirit guide, his healing doctor, whatever you want to name it, the the person in the spirit world, he was a trance healer, and okay. um, um, he went into trance and he did it often enough to to become familiar with the with his healing um with with his healing counterpart in the in the spirit world and he got a name he got the name of the hospital where this uh doctor had worked and it was all verified mm-hmm. that a recently deceased doctor phys- physician um in the UK um, was working with George Chapman from the spirit world. And um, um, so now you don't need to know a lot of, a, a, a lot of, um, a lot of healers don't know their, who they work with on the other side. But in this case, it was verified. And, and it was Dr. Lang, Dr. Lang, was the name of the guy. In fact, George Chapman got Dr. Lang's daughter, who was still living in her 60s. And George Chapman would go into trance and talk to his daughter. Um, George Chapman would go into trance, and Dr. Lang would talk to his daughter, and his daughter was convinced that George Chapman was working with Dr. Lang. I'm just sitting here. No, it's amazing because that that happens, you know? And some spirit guides do make make known who they are to the people they're working with just for the just for a verification purpose. Not that you need it, but you know what I'm saying? Sometimes they do. Um, And there are two books that are written on George Chapman Surgeon from Another World written in 1978, and Healing Hands. So if somebody wants to do a deeper dive on this, you know, I've just scratched the surface. Well, you seem to scratch the surface on a lot of things, though, to to make people aware of things you have with these books. Well, you know, Karen... Um, and I know your book is about the same way. I give bite-sized stories. Yes. And in your blog uh, and in your book, you put, give bite-sized stories. I and do. Someone, someone may not like a certain subject. Someone may be resonated toward a certain uh, medium, sh- medium or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're able to do a deeper dive by by the references that we give. And this is also important because so many people have no idea of the heritage that we have or they give the information wrong. And so Mm -hmm. it's out there. It's out there. It's out there. You just, you know, you have to search for it. But I just wanted to search the whole time for me. Once I got into uh, mediumship and spiritualism, it just I just had this need to keep searching and finding things. You, you know? 
And, I, and so, another thing I put in my and another thing okay. I put in my book, and I'm not just blowing my own horn, is I found all these quotes, you know, that either the great mediums would say or mm-hmm. somebody would say, and I thought, you know, it was some of these aha moments or whatever, and I thought right. these quotes were great, but I can't make a book of just quotes. Well, so, yeah, but you go ahead. I'm sorry. In front, you know, uh, in front of every chapter, you know, I have these the, these quotes. So you could say, you know, gosh, you know, Harry Edwards, one of the greatest healers that ever yes. lived, said, you know, the greatest form of mediumship is healing. He's and right. I, and he's right. And he is. He is. And mm-hmm. and other 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 other. Um, um, Ina Twag, Ina Twig, she, okay, you know, yes. she was she she was the, the UK's first TV medium, and she mm-hmm. isn't like a TV medium like they have them now. I mean, she was old school spiritualist, mm. went to right. church every day, you know, and and she said, you know, we must take back in the '60s when she was first on TV, she said mm-hmm. we must take mediumship off the pedestal because even back then they were putting mediums on pedestals and da 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 and if she if she if she would see what they they did today or the pedestals today, you know, she'd probably have a heart attack. But that you know, she said, you know, the 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 the, the greatest thing about a about a mediumship sitting is to send, you know, the sitter away with joy. And hope. Right. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, and yes. that's what it is. It is. That's what it is. Since we're talking about, you know, absent healing, I'd like to talk a little bit about spiritual healing, if you don't mind, since we're on the healing uh, modality here. And I'd like to talk about um, the the person I just did the blog on, William. Um, William Lilly. Could you please William talk about? Yes. Could you talk about him a little bit? When I first heard the story about William Lilly, my jaw dropped, and I, I, I had to go out and investigate this. You know, William Lilly was born in a family of spiritualists in the 1920s. You know, that was it, the, one of the heydays. And he, his mother would bring the pram into the into the weekly uh, circle. So he was he he had this from the time he was a babe. And there was no pressure on him to become a spiritual healer. This is you know I mean spiritualism and the way of life was ingrained on him. And let me give you a backstory. Just to build okay. this guy up. Okay. Um, because another fun fact about him is in the height of World War One, or in the mm-hmm. height of World War Two, yes. when England was mobilized, every able man was in the force. You know, they didn't know if Hitler was going to invade the British Isles. William Lilly got an exemption to the draft because he was a spiritual healer. 
he went in front of what would be known as the draft board with all his papers and to say, I see these many patients a week and da, 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 and these are my qualifications. And can you imagine the government bureaucracy? Look, I mean, they knew about spiritualism back then, but you, you want a what? You want an exemption of the draft because you heal people and you're not a medical doctor? Sure enough, he was given an exemption. And that he was a spiritual healer back then. And then after World War II, he moved to South Africa. Now, this is where it really gets jaw-dropping. He continued his spiritual healing in South Africa. Black, white, colored, public, private, hundreds of people. He would do healing demonstrations. They'd come up to the stage, da-da-da. Sure enough, in one of these mass public healings, there was a boy that was brought forward. And his upper arm, his humerus, the, the, the bone from the shoulder to the elbow, was visibly disformed. Daylight with hundreds of witnesses. He was put on a table or on a chair. The crowd that was very tight, you know, all saw this. William Lilly was a trance healer, and he operated from a trance condition, a trance um, state. And the, the, his trance doctor entranced him. He ran William Lilly's finger across this boy's arm, and the flesh opened up without a knife. The witnesses said that half the front row fainted right there on the spot. But William Lilly and his spirit doctor weren't done yet. Hundreds of witnesses. He removed very gently the diseased bone, put it aside, and then with ectoplasm sealed up the wound and the boy walked off, healed. The story doesn't end there. William Lilly gets a knock at the door. The police arrest him for um, practicing medicine without a license. They're serious. They throw him in jail. The prosecutor drags the boy's parents and the boy in front of the judge. The prosecutor in front of the judge, takes the diseased bone. It is all over the newspapers in Cape Town. He waves this bloody bone, the prosecutor, and wants to put William Lilly in jail for healing. I'm not sure if the judge dismisses the case or throws it out, finds him not guilty, but William Lilly goes on to be an accomplished spiritual healer in, in South Africa. And his son, David Lilly, I had the pleasure of emailing him just to verify the story. I had seen the newspaper reports. Mm-hmm. I had seen the reports in, in books, 
It was in the Cape Town News. It was in the Psychic News. Da da. David Lilly, William Lilly's son, is a healer and an author, and he still has the bone. The son still has the bone, correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean that. I mean, not to be macabre or grotesque no, or collecting bones, but there, there's no magic. There's no um, properties about this bone, except it's an artifact of one of the greatest moments of spiritual healing. We're talking about mm-hmm. we're talking about Jesus and the leper, you know, quality mm-hmm. of healing. You know, and so many witnesses. Isn't that That's, fabulous? That is is fabulous. So we're we're gonna keep on this uh uh talk on this topic a minute and now we're gonna talk about Jack Kelly and the Healing Temple at Lilydale. And I know you have a story uh, in your book about that as well. And I'd like you to share that with um, everybody out there around the world. Well, there's something I didn't, I didn't, I didn't learn until a couple of months ago. The Healing Temple at Lilydale, and if you're not familiar with Lilydale, that's okay. Um, don't turn off the radio. Um, is is well known for spiritual healing, but it was built in 1955. It had not always been there, and before it was built, the place that the healing temple is built at at Lilydale was the spot where a famous Native American um, and opera singer, by the way at Lilydale had his healing temple or had his healing teepee. So next, if you ever, even if you don't go to Lilydale, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you know, just think of the teepee next time. But anyway, Jack Kelly was an American healer in the 1950s, 1940s, 50s. And um, th- these were the days where you could walk up to somebody and diagnose and prescribe, you know, without, you know, fear of um, litigation or legal action. But he was very famous at um, diagnosing um, and at the at the uh, uh, at the auditorium at Lilydale, there was there was someone who did not make his lecture at the auditorium, and just came just as they were filing out of the auditorium. And Jack Kelly saw this person. He said, I know you're late. I know you missed, I know you missed um, uh, the lecture, but your wife will be healed when you go back home. He didn't know anything about him, didn't know his name, just blurted that out. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so... Um, the healing temple we Lilydale owes to a famous healer called Jack Kelly. And yeah, there's a picture of him in front of the healing temple, isn't there? Of Jack Kelly. Yes. With Jack Kelly and Mae West. Yeah, Mae West, because Jack Kelly was uh Mae West's uh, medium. Yes. Yes. So and, that's pretty um, interesting. That is 
pretty interesting. And so now we're on the subject of Lilydale and Lilydale, but I want to talk about and I uh, precipitative paintings because Lilydale at the Maplewood Hotel has a number of precipitative paintings, and so does Camp Chesterfield. And so I want you to give us your take on precipitative paintings. Well, precipitate, there's also one in the Lilydale Library. There's um, two of them, three of them at the at the Maplewood. There's right. at least uh, two or three in the museum. So, you know, now precipitated paintings. Uh, we talked about this before the show. Right. You know, I'm a I'm a down to earth. Yeah, you know, you kind of have to convince me, kind of person. You know, I am not a woo-woo kind of person. And um, I had heard of precipitation, precipitative paintings, and I hadn't given it much thought. You know, um, uh, Duguerre, there was a famous uh, precipitative artist in Scotland called Daniel Duguerre, I believe. And he did these miniatures, and and there are, I think they're at the, there are a few at the Arthur Fridley College Museum. And I had known about him, but I didn't give him much interest. And I was kind of poo-pooing the whole idea, basically, because I thought maybe, you know, yeah, there might be a case one or two that's legitimate, but it could be easily fraudulent, you know. And I, I I didn't, I didn't give it much legitimacy. Until Ann Harrison, my editor at Saturday Night Press uh, Publications, and you can Google that. Uh, there's a whole story about Ann Harrison um, being the daughter-in-law of Minnie Harrison that I write about mm-hmm. quite a bit, but I digress. Um, perhaps we could get to it. But um, precipitated paintings, I went back, and the Catholic Church has Big time research on this. Big time. They have several saints. They have documented cases. They have, I mean, it is a big thing um, with some saints that the Catholic Church recognizes. But um, in in American spiritualism, the 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 Bain sisters and the Campbell brothers mm-hmm. um, were known for their precipitated paintings. Now, here's what really convinced me. There are a few things that really convinced me. Number one, people would go to the Bain sisters with their own canvas, and they would sign and date before they went you know, the the back of their canvas, you know, went to the uh, Bang Sisters, April 1889, you know, da, da, da. And then they would give the, the canvas to the Bang Sisters. Now, they can't swap out something that's already been scribbled on, you know. That that was a good lead-in to, 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 to convincing me. Number one, number two, the precipitation happened before their eyes. Not like cover it up with a cloth and uncover it. No, it would it it would happen before their eyes. Okay, I'm still trying to get my head around that one. But what really convinced me that aha, there's no way it would be faked kind of thing. 
there were there's there's a couple of stories in in volume two where someone's um, a man brought this canvas in and it had a picture of him and his deceased wife. Isn't that great? You know, him a, a, a likeness of him right there, boom, mm-hmm. and a likeness, boom, of 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 the deceased wife, and then. The man looked at it and said, oh, I, I didn't tell you I had two daughters in the spirit world, too. And the bang, the bang sisters said, okay, hold on. And sure enough, the two daughters appeared as well. And there was also a case where uh, there, were, there, there were things on the painting that were added by the spirit world after the person took the painting home, whether it be a necklace, whether it be someone else. And so I'm thinking, you know, that can't be faked. There's no way. No, and some, they say they'll change, right? Uh, Maxine, yes. They say that sometimes the painting will change. Mm-hmm. And there's proof right there that you just said that. Right, right. So that's, um, that's, yes, that's great. It, it, that's great moments. Ahead, I mean, that's fabulous moments. I mean, that, that, that's, you know. And, and how do you feel about airports? You know, airports, your, your guest next week can talk about them being not mediumship. Okay. Um, um, but they can be, you know, if the spirit world and and I'm not going to name names, but there's a so-called medium out there that produces apports from their mouth. Okay. Um, um, but these apports that this current so-called medium produces are just colored glass or semi-precious stones. Okay. If apports are intelligent communication, if you are in a seance and the direct voice is says there is going to be an apport coming through the trumpet and you see the trumpet or you can tell the trumpet is floating around and then you hear a rattling inside the trumpet and sure enough it falls out. And what falls out is a ring that belonged to somebody in the spirit world. Okay, that's intelligent. You know, it the is. direct voice said it was coming. Yes, it you is. know, it's a it's an apport that is recognized and taken and not just a, a, a frivolous gemstone. Um, you could have regurgitated and say you apported it from your mouth. <clears throat> but um, my opinion aside, my research and my my books show intelligent apports things that were in the coffin of the deceased. You now, know, when the airports or, came... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm going to say, um, when the airports came into a seance, did some of the sitters recognize the airport? Do you understand what I mean from somebody from the spirit world? Yes. Or they could be specially requested. Estelle okay. Roberts 
uh, one of the yes. greatest mediums. She he wrote was. a book called 40 Years a Medium, and she mm-hmm. wrote a, year, a book called 50 Years a Medium. You could do a whole show on Estelle Roberts. Yeah. Okay? Um, she was in a seance, and someone got, I mean, it wasn't cheeky, um, um, but they said, can I have an airport from ancient Egypt? Sure enough, you know, um, mm-hmm. um, a scarab, a little blue um, beetle, not an actual insect, but a but a uh, inscribed stone was um, apported on demand. There was a ring that was imported, apported inside the sitter's the, cupped hands. Yeah, the sitter I read that. was, was asked book. to cup mm-hmm. their hands. And sure enough, they felt it was warm. They felt something going on in there. They said, just okay, keep it cupped. And when they uncupped their hands, there was a ring inside. So um, now getting to Minnie Harrison, the mother-in-law of Annie Harrison. Minnie Harrison was not a professional medium. She just had a home circle for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And um, um, many, of, many of the instances in my books came from non-professional people that just had a book about written, the written about them. Mm-hmm. And Minnie Harrison uh, would not only have apports, but things would, um, they would be asported. They would Ass-ports, leave the right. seance. They would leave the seance um, room and, and be transported elsewhere. They did that for food during World War II for the prisoners of war, if you can believe that, or gifts for the spirit children. But Minnie Harrison, M-I-N-N-I-E Harrison, look that up on YouTube and you will see her son showing Tom Harrison? Backwards and Would that be yes, Tom Harrison, her son? Yes. That would be Tom Harrison. Yes. And he wrote a book and there's a wealth of information he put on YouTube free. I will look at that. Um, now, can I can I mention someone near and dear to my heart? I'm motivated to and and, and inspired to talk about sure. Lillian Bailey. Okay. Lillian Bailey was a medium from the 1920s to the 1950s. I think she passed in the 1960s. She is well known in in the UK. Um, she traveled the length and breadth of of the UK um, after World War One and during World War Two, uh, selflessly giving um, um, readings. And um, well known fact, corroborated by multiple sources within the royal palace. During the 1940s, there would be um, a a particular sitters that didn't want to come to her but would send a private car. And she said, no problem. You know, I don't even think she charged extra, you know. Go wherever the need is. So the car was sent. And it it was kind of like a... London taxi back in the day but it was kind of like blacked out and she got in it and she couldn't see where they were going and 
this car stopped and they said, I'm sorry, madam, we have to blindfold you to get you out of the car. No problem. And so they blindfolded her and they let her out and they let her into a building. While still in a blindfold, they sat her down in a chair. She gave a trance um, 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 sitting and she can't remember, you know, who, what she said. And, you know, blindfolded, blindfold was, was, was removed. And Elizabeth, the Queen of England, the Queen Mother Mary, her, um, Elizabeth's mother, and the royal family were all there. And she was like, <laughs> you know, uh, and she didn't write about this. She didn't say anything about this until much later. And what really confirmed this, you know, are later on in the 1960s and 1970s, the, the palace people leaked the story, you know, and it was corroborated. Only after it was leaked did, William, uh, did Lillian Bailey say yes. William, or sorry, Lillian Bailey then produced a brooch that had the royal seal on the back. And they said they didn't pay me. They just gave this to me for all my service to them. And that was confirmed. Now, you can't go to a pawn shop, you know, in London and get something with mm-hmm. the royal seal. You know, but yes. Lillian Bailey is is also in my books because um, she was she gave trance sittings, which, again, is a whole show in itself. It is. But, she she had a couple of spirit people that she she became very familiar with and um after world war 1 um she went for a spirit photograph and um she went to william hope the 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 premier spirit photographer at the time trying yes. to get her mother in the back of the uh, for, uh, you know, sit down in front, take your picture, and the spirit extra might show in the photograph. And instead of her mother, there were these two people she didn't recognize: a little girl and um, a man in a World War One military outfit. It's like, well, I served in the war, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know anybody, you know, who passed, and. She came to know that one, and of course she looked him up. Of course he was a um, an officer, a captain uh, in a such and such unit. Died um, a gunshot wound through the forehead, and in the spirit uh, photograph there was a scar above his eye. And William Wooten even said, "Tell my mother I'm okay." Tell my mother I'm okay. And and Lillian Bailey said, you know, fine, give me the address. Sure enough, she got the address. She mailed William Wooten's uh, mother. She said, you know, I'm a I, I'm a I'm a medium, and your mother and your son says he's he's uh, he's okay. And by the way, he's working with me. I mean, something bizarre like that. Yeah. Well, she got a William um, Lillian Bailey got a letter back. Um, from this woman and said, you know, my son was an officer and a gentleman and he didn't, 
do anything with spiritualism and I don't know what you're talking about. But but still to have that kind of, you know, it doesn't matter what the mother thinks, you know. If, if someone passes and still wants to serve, you know, isn't that great? That the, yes. that the, and you don't have to be silver birch or a big, you know, advanced, no. advanced person to, to, to work with someone. You could be a doctor and work with George Chapman. You could be um, a dead soldier and work with Lillian Bailey. And, and isn't that a sacred, beautiful relationship that we have with the spirit world? Yes, you know? it is. Yes. Um, and so there was there were great meetings that were very dedicated to what they did too. I have to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think? I see in the book you talk about automatic automatic writing. Is is there a difference between automatic writing and inspirational writing? Um, it's on a spectrum of trance. Automatic writing would be, I believe, a, a, a deeper form of trance. And inspired writing would be a, a lighter form of trance. Like inspirational speaking um, is a light form of trance, whereas, you know, a deep trance where you don't, you know, remember what you say and you might be unconscious, that's still trans speaking, so mm-hmm. it's a it, uh, it there's a spectrum of of the trans state, and whether you're speaking, whether you're um, writing, whether you're healing, um, okay. all of these can be can be done through the through the trans state, either lightly or deeply. Okay, thank you. Um, and so, why don't we talk about materialization and what are your thoughts on that and, and maybe some of the great mediums that did uh, full materialization? Well, you have to look at Alec Harris. You have to okay. look at Alec Harris. A-L-E-C Harris okay. and his books, um, uh, I believe, Walking Among the Dead, um, and there's another one about him, can be found on bookfinder.com. Um, I, um, the Saturday Night Press might be reprinting that. Um, but Alec Harris, um, was a, was a deep trance, um, materialization medium. There, there, there's some cases where materialization can occur when the, when the medium is not so deep, but Alec Harris would go out like a light, you know, and his, the, the materialization forms now, people argue about this all the time and the truth be told, we really don't know the, the, the depth and the wet, the wet, width that we don't know the width and the depth of, of materialization. So people say, Oh, you got to have ectoplasm. It's got to be in the dark. Da, 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 da. I said, no, you know, there are cases where it's been in the light, you know, and there are cases where it's not even ectoplasm at all. So, Here's where people kind of say the wrong thing or say things that say something that's misinformed. But Alec Harris in the dark with ectoplasm and these, the, with his ectoplasm and ectoplasm does not just come from the medium. It comes from all the sitters. It comes from the objects in the room. 
the spirit world has, has, has told us this. And in one case in my book, ectoplasm did form also from a cat that was in the room. So the ectoplasm also came from the cat. So to say we know everything about ectoplasm is just ludicrous. It's very complex. But um, Alec Harris, through the ectoplasm that his body would produce and would be produced from the sitters, everyone else in the room, would form and build up and the spirit would, world would use this ectoplasm to rematerialize their physical body momentarily. It wouldn't last a minute, uh, you know, 10 minutes, an hour maybe, and then it would de- dematerialize and the ectoplasm would, would be dematerialized and go back into the, where it came from. Okay, so in Alec Harris's materialization seances, the forms were so solid, they not only walked and talked, they asked sometimes, come and take my pulse. And the materialized form would have their pulse taken. And then the materialized form would say, hit me in the chest, in the materialized chest, bam, you know, there, can you, can you believe now it's full? Can you believe now it's, it's materialized? Can you believe now that I'm, I'm back in the flesh? And at the end of the seance, it, uh, the forms would de- dematerialize. So uh, materialization, there's a lot we don't know about it. In Helen Duncan's a case, um, um, one of her spirit um, guides um, materialized a little girl. She would eat sweets and eat half a banana while materialized. And um, I also have to talk about Albert Best. Yeah, Albert and you Best, can look the him postman. Up, the postman. But did you yeah. know... He went down. To, he went down to South Africa uh, for a tour or something. He was met um, at the train station or during his travels by somebody he didn't know, and said, um, "The chief wants to see you tomorrow." He's like, "I don't know. This wasn't on my tour. I don't know it." But he went with it. Day, mm-hmm. and it was it was it was an indigenous tribe of South Africa. The next day, somebody picked up Albert Best, took him out to a remote site, and there in front of a campfire was a medicine man and who had a fire going. And from the fire, Albert Best's dead wife and child materialized, rose from the flames, came out of the fire and had a reunion with Albert Best. And then, instead of dematerializing, walked back into the fire and dematerialized. So the medicine man, whatever, was a fabulous physical medium. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's in the book, Best 
of both worlds. So I'm not making these stories up, you know. I I I'm get sure them somewhere. Not. Yeah, and but but yeah, you you. But I want I want people to understand that these stories came from somewhere and they were written down by somebody. Um, you want to talk a little bit about spirit lights? Because I, I notice you talk about them a little bit in your book as well. Again, this is a perfect example about intelligent communication. Okay. Is it mediumship? Is it really the spirit world? Or is it somebody's psychic energy? Is it PK? You know, is it static electricity? A thousand other, you know, fraud? A thousand other explanations? Is it intelligent? Do they move? Do the spirit lights move and behave in an intelligent manner? Um, I'm not sure if it's Arthur Conan Doyle or someone else of that era. How does spirit light land on their mustache? Floating around the room and then coming to their mustache. That's not random. No. And another case of it being intelligent is the spirit light in a seance Someone dropped their handkerchief or misplaced it or dropped it, whatever. And the spirit light came in the dark over to the point above the handkerchief. And the direct voice also had a phenomenon at the same time said, I will show you my where your handkerchief is, darling. That's intelligent control. That's it is. You know, Intelligent communication. Yes, yes. Not random, not chaotic, but with a purpose. Um, I found this very interesting. You talked a little bit about in the book about proxy sittings. Yes. And we owe a great deal to the Society of Psychical Research started in, I believe, 1886. Um, all these great minds in Victorian, in Victorian England were, you know, wanted to investigate mediumship, psychical phenomena, uh, wanted to do it in a, in a scientific-controlled manner. It, these were mostly men of science, a few women there, but I have to say a woman, because the secretary... And back in the days, the secretary was a woman. But the secretary to the Society of Psychical Research um, was sent to all these mediums. And the scientists at the SPR used to say, okay, go to this medium and say you're sitting for Mr. Jones. So a proxy sitting eliminates what we call today a cold reading. Okay. Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, Mr. Jones, you know, if Mr. Jones were to go to a medium, you know, or wherever, they, they, the medium might give them a fraudulent cold reading. 
and just read their aura, you know. Mm -hmm. And even back then, they were trying to get their head around where this information, the scientists were trying to get get their heads around where this information that the mediums um, got, where, where it came from. So if Mr. Jones went to a medium and said, I want to talk to my dead wife, okay, the scientists of the day, and even today, saying, well, somebody can read Mr. Jones's mind, or back then they called it telepathy, or today we, 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 we say they're reading the aura of Mrs., Mr. Jones, okay? And so there are things about Mrs. Jones, who's dead, that Mr. Jones knows about. And through tele- are they getting that information through telepathy? Or are they getting that information because Mrs. Jones is really here from the spirit world? Are you following me? Yes. So a proxy a proxy sitter eliminates that. So your name is Karen. And if I were to go to a medium and I'm saying, I'd like a, a, I'd like a reading for Karen. Okay? And I'm just going to write down the notes. Okay? I'm just going to... I'm not even going to say yes or no because I don't know who Karen's dead people are, but I'm going to take the notes down. And so a proxy, the, the, the proxy sitter, the secretary for the SPR, would be sent to these mediums and say, I want a reading for Mr. Jones. Okay, and then all she would do is write down the reading. Now this is the same thing that the Winbridge Institute is doing out in Arizona it's called triple blind and quadruple blind uh, testing of mediums. And if you're if you're listening to the show and you don't know what the Woodbridge Institute is, um, they don't certify mediums just to certify mediums. They are a research institute, and um, they produce academic papers and. Um, um, there's a book, I'll look it up, Testing Mediums, I think it is. And it's on the scientific back end of how they test them, and they test them through proxy sitters. Hmm. So um, um, I have, con- in my research, I have contacted a lot of mediums, and I said, would you be willing to do a proxy sitting? And most of them go, what? You know, they don't know what it is. Yeah. And then they say, you know, no, science. I don't want to do science, you know. Oh, you're going to pay me, aren't you? And I said, no. You know, oh, well, if you're not going to pay me, I'm not going to do it. These uh, proxy sittings, you know, is, is a way to double blind, triple blind, quadruple blind, um, and test the medium. And uh, to eliminate me as a medium getting stuff either cold reading or from the sitter's aura. That is interesting. There's another thing I read uh, I read in the book, and I was surprised that John Edmonds had a mediumistic daughter, Laura Edmonds. I was really surprised when I read that. You know, she is, she is purportedly the first trans um, medium um, in the United States. And there were a lot of women doing trance at that time, trance speaking. Um, Cora Rich, um, 
um, Cora Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, um, another woman who spoke for, you know, practically 24 hours. These were women of the Victorian era that mm-hmm. really, in that, aura, in that era, women were not seen in public. They were not, they give a speech? No, you know, but if they were overcome by spirits or if they were a trans speaker, they could be, they could be booked. Now, isn't that kind of ironic? You know, um, yes. there were no women college. There were very few women college graduates and there were no public speakers and da, da, da. But if you go into trance, you know, then, then it's not you. Then we'll listen to whoever's talking through you. So, um, yeah, um, Judge Edmonds' um, um, daughter um, documented what was going on in New York and he lost place. He did on the New York Supreme Court because he 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 became a spiritualist. Talk about you know, think about you know the latest Supreme Court nomination you know and all these you know and, uh, and rumors of you can't be a Catholic and and be on that. Well, here is somebody who was on the Supreme Court who said, you know that spiritualist stuff. You know I'm I'm going to embrace it and they kicked him off. I know. Kicked him off the court. But I didn't realize that about his daughter until I read it in your book. Um, Yeah. That's what I mean. These books have a wealth of information. Is there anybody or anything else that you would like to talk about that we didn't talk about tonight? Um, If anybody has any questions, um, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd like to go through the, or I'd, I have no problem um, problem speaking to anybody who's called in. However, I will say one one thing, and I've you know I'm kind of like there I was a teenager um, going to these spiritualist churches, and I had heard this I had heard this term called ectoplasmic rods. And the ectoplasmic rods is what supposedly, or um, how it was explained, lifts the table in table tipping. And and there I was, a skeptical teenager, and I was like, yeah, right. Where'd they get this information? Forty years later, I'm researching in Ireland in the 1920s. There's a mechanical engineer who's investigating a medium called Kathleen Gulliger. And he's a mechanical engineer. And he's kind of wondering how this table is levitating with his mechanical engineering mind. And he gets the idea of putting the table on a scale and putting the medium on a scale. And sure enough, as the table levitates, the scale that has the medium gains weight. And when I read about this, I was like an aha moment. You know, how dumb Mm -hmm. could I have been as a teenager saying, poo-poo, ectoplasmic rods. Well, here here, here was where the term came from. But I just didn't know it at the time and so there was a force 
there was a connection between the table and the medium, and as the table gained um, rose, the medium gained weight. So there was a connection through a, quote, ectoplasmic rod. Sometimes in science, we, we have to do these experiments, you know, and then uh, to, to get to an understanding. There is also something you talked about in the book about temperature changes, too. Yes. Yes. And people kind of said, oh, well, if the spirit is here, uh, the temperature will get colder. I'm like, yeah, right. Where do you get that information? Is that an old wives' tale? What? I mean, uh, I'm not Missouri. I'm not from Missouri, but it's like, yeah, show me. Sure enough, they did. They did temperatures, and uh, in in uh, in seances, the if someone had a glass of water underneath their chair, the chair, the, the glass of water would freeze. Yes, would get it gets pretty cold. Yeah. So, yes. Um, so I think, like I said, I just don't know if you want to recap any anything else before we close? I mean, there's just so much um, that you have uh, brought out in these two books. Well, it you know, I encourage anybody who's listening, do a deeper dive. You know, go to bookfinder.com, um, look up these books, order them, read them yourself. Read them yourself, you know? And do a deep dive on these subjects, and uh, um, it, it'll be part of their journey. And isn't that wonderful? It is. What do you think about Arnold Clare? Wonderful medium. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a book written about him. There is. A-R- it just came out. It's going to come out in paperback. Yeah, or it's been reprinted. Um, Claire, um, C-L-A-I-R-E, Arnold Claire. Um, uh, there's a famous C-L-A-R-E. story about him. C-L-A-R-E. That's the book that C-L-A-R-E. Harry Edwards wrote. Yes. The Mediumship of Arnold Claire. Yes. And, um, you know, these people are not famous. The, the, these people didn't no, charge eight hundred. The, the, these people didn't charge, you know, uh, the equivalent of eight hundred dollars back in the day. They they did it because they loved the spirit world. They sat. They developed. They didn't make a big thing about it. Uh, they didn't commercialize it. And um, um, isn't you know isn't that refreshing, you know? Another one that that uh, left uh, the circle plane early was Jack Weber as well. He was very good too. Yes, and he um, um, Harry Edwards, uh, one of the one of the most famous spiritual healers, healed, gave over ten million healings in his lifetime. Yeah, he uh, did. Jack Weber was a very Jack Weber was a, his best friend, practically. Yeah. And um, he tried through his uh, um, spiritual healing. 
Harry Edwards tried to to give him healing, and Jack Webber still still passed on, and this really shook Harry Edwards, and um, um, Jack Webber died of a certain disease. I'm not sure if it was meningitis or something like that, but they knew what he died of, and um, it really knocked up um, Harry Edwards for a while, and then lo and behold. A patient came to him, and he didn't know, Harry Edwards didn't know that he had meningitis or the same thing that killed his best friend. He gave um, this man a healing, and, and he became a cured. So Harry Edwards humbly accepted, you know, he had always accepted that the healing wasn't from him, and mm-hmm. it wasn't his personal will. Um, it was something outside of him and, you know, a higher power that, 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 that he accepted. And um, Jack, uh, Jack Weber um, also, um, I'm not sure if it was direct voice or materialization, but he communicated with uh, his, his best friend, Harry, Harry Edwards, after he had passed. Yeah, that's so, what I heard. You know, yeah. Can you know? But can you imagine? You know the guilt, or you know not being able to save your best friend. Know. You know, and then realizing, hey, this has nothing to do with me. You know, okay. and and mm-hmm. and I'm just the yeah. instrument. Right. Um, you know what? I think we do have a caller. Let's see what's going on. Okay. Hi, welcome to Truth Seekers. Can we have a first name, please? Uh, yeah, it's Alyssa. Hi, how are you tonight? Good, how are you? Good, what can we help you with? Um, are you are you guys doing reading? Well, um, we could do a short one. We don't have too much time. What do you what do you think, uh, Maxine? Yeah, um 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 what's your first name? Alyssa. Alyssa. And and can you count to uh, 20 for us? Yes. Out loud? Out loud. Yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Um, Alyssa, I hate to ask questions, um, uh-huh. uh, but this is a but this is a short short little um, uh, reading. But what I'm okay. what I'm what I'm wanting to say is that there is a man from the spirit world um, who's touching in, and um, whether he's a father, grandfather, I, I'm not sure. But he's my grandfather. I bet. Would uh, I forgot to tell you? Don't don't talk. Don't talk. Oh, Let me do sorry. the talking. But um, I'm I'm also and and while he's while I said that he's like oh forgive her because there's a lot of love between us. But um, um, I would say very quickly and I'm impressed to say Alyssa, you know it's okay. You know it's okay. I see a current situation, um, and I see loneliness. I see 
uh, a big question mark above your head, and I'm just wanting to, to, to hold you in my hand and just to let you know from him it's okay. And we really don't have uh, time for a longer reading, but um, this is not what the show was mainly about. But I really want you to say, I really want you to know that there's that in, within your current situation, it's not a decision that needs to be make be made. It's not this or that. Just okay. Um, uh, can you accept that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, and thank I know you. Thank you. No, okay. I, that's okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up a little bit. I think we covered a lot of things tonight, and I'm I'm happy having you and sharing your knowledge with all the truth seekers around the globe tonight. So I have one other one more question for you. Byard you. Oh, uh, um, you know, um, when I, when I talk to people or when I read for people or, um, there are a common theme um, that I see or what I've been trained to do or what picks what I've picked up or what the spirit world um, lets me see is the arc of someone's life. And um, we come into this life, I believe, with a purpose or a plan. doesn't mean we're going to do it, but, you know... Um, the arc of our life um, may have that plan or it may just be our journey. And I am inspired the more I see people and I see the arc of their life and the things that they have overcome or the things that have happened to them or whatever. And I'm just inspired by by almost everybody I meet in their life. And what a brave soul to have chosen to have been incarnated and come here. And nobody's life is a bed of roses. And on, our, on the arc of our life, you know, we have hardships, we have setbacks, Sometimes we have crashes and burns, you know, or unspeakably horrible things that I cannot even conceive happen to people every day. And so you have no idea the person who's going to sit next to you on an airplane or the person you're listening to on the radio, you have no idea of the, of the bravery of that soul. Uh, to have come here and to have to have these things happened, and yet they yet yet they survive, and yet they 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 carry on. You know, Maya D'Angelo has a poem that says, "Yet I rise." You know, I'd be crushed 
into the dust of the earth, yet I rise. And, and so I'm inspired. Who inspires me? Everybody. Everybody's life story inspires me. There is something about everybody that inspires me. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure spending time with you tonight, and I'm sure all the truth seekers around the world have enjoyed what you had to tell us tonight and shared with us your knowledge on this subject. Well, thank you for having me. And, um, you know... um, if I can be, if I can be of any service, just uh, um, let me know. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And I would like to thank all the truth seekers around the world for listening tonight. And remember, until we meet again, may you be the light that helps others see. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.